0: The views and opinions expressed by guests unconnected do not necessarily reflect those of Sight Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. Mm-hmm. My name is Alex Sharp with Side Street Studio Arts, and welcome back to another episode of Connected. I'm here with dancer and choreographer Rachel Benzing, and we're here to talk about her uh, dance career as well as her upcoming show that is part of our mini, fridge, mini fringe series at Side Street um, that's taking place on January 27th, her show Love Me or Leave Me. Um, so welcome, Rachel. Hi. All right, to start off, Rachel, um, if you just want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your dance background.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Rachel Benzing. Um, I am a South Elgin, Elgin native. I grew up here dancing at a couple of local studios. Um, I went on to get my bachelor's of fine arts and dance in Los Angeles at a college called Loyola Marymount University. Um, And then I went on from there to get a master's of fine arts in dance and performance art in London at a uh, university called Trinity Laban. Um, While I was at both of those universities, I got a lot of um, experience getting to dance for professional choreographers um, in various genres, uh, a lot of choreography experience. When I was in London, I really got immersed into um, more of the performance art side of the art world, which was really awesome. And got a new perspective over there, being in a different country. Um, And since then, um, I came back to the Chicago area. Um, I've been, uh, I've danced professionally with um, both Mad Rhythms, which is a tap company in Chicago, and Tapman Productions, which is another tap company in Chicago. Um, And I've been teaching and choreographing for some local studios in the Chicagoland area and just trying to do my thing as a dancer <laughs>
0: awesome yeah you have a pretty extensive like background and, and worked with a lot of different people um that kind of leads into one of my first questions um I grew up uh, with a lot of friends that were interested in arts and I knew a lot of friends that are dancers um incredibly talented you know they play they started dancing when they were four up until they were 18 they did stuff in college but a lot of them, you know, went into different fields, and, and in college, you know, went into different, the workforce, you know, not, even though they might be involved in dance in some small capacity, you know, they went on to do different things, so what was it like to uh, do, pursue dance professionally, and, and go, you know, get a degree in it, and then follow it up, and getting a master's in it? Sure, Um, I think for me, um. One, I was very
1: blessed and lucky to have a super supportive family. Um, my parents were always very much um, supporting me in my dancing, driving me to classes, um, paying for things when I was growing up. And when it came time for college and, um, and high school and thinking about that, I mean, I was one of the few kids that I knew that um, when people would ask, oh, what are you thinking about studying? Um that, uh, I could just easily say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to dance, you know? And I had a lot of friends that it took them their first one or two years of college to figure out what they wanted to do. And so I was really lucky that I had the support of my family that, um, allowed me to pursue, you know, my dream in a different state, really far away in, in Los Angeles Um, and I think I was just really lucky to just know that dance is my passion and my love. And so I never had a doubt in my mind about that. I wanted a career in it, whether it was performing professionally, choreographing professionally, teaching. I just knew that that was my life. Um, and yeah, and it's definitely been a big part of my identity as well, which I think is something that's kind of hard with, with the arts is that your career is also your identity, um there's a little bit of that actually is part of my research question i guess for my show that i'm performing next weekend is mm-hmm. that the role of art in identity as well
0: yeah um going on from you know your college years and stuff another thing i was interested in i was you know looking at your website and watching your performance reels and just amazed on like tap uh you know contemporary like this uh dance troupe and you know in LA and Chicago and London so it took you to a lot of different places with a lot of different people so what does that kind of life look as a professional dancer? Sure um I definitely think it's something
1: that is not common uh to be somebody that does and pursues and is so proficient in various styles um, a lot of times, as you get older and dance, you start to kind of find your style or your, your thing that you really excel at. And then you, you know, you join a band company or you join um, a hip hop group or um, you find, you know, you're on Broadway doing musical theater. Um, so that's definitely been something that has been um, opened a lot of diverse doors for me as a dancer. Um, and sometimes this is challenging um, because you feel torn maybe between well, I have this opportunity to work with this tap group this month, but at the same time, I'm also wanting to audition for this Broadway show or there's some different, you know, where it kind of butt heads in some ways that it can be a little difficult feeling like you have to pick between one or the other and feeling a little torn in that aspect. But I definitely feel that um, the diversity um, of my training and of my career so far and having had my foot in so many different doors um has just made me an overall more well-rounded and stronger performer, and just artistically has opened my mind as a creator. Um, when I'm choreographing, when I'm thinking about um how a, a performance can convey um, a story or a message. There's so many different ideas, I think, that come to my mind because of these different aspects. Um, in my show for the fringe, I will be singing tap dancing, doing some contemporary work. Um, so it, it kind of, I think, within my own work is nice because I'm able to resonate all of those different diverse aspects of of what I love about dance and performance together to create something very unique and, and broad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it is cool to see that, like, come together, you know, come together in your show, that it's all kind of parts of you. Um, do you tend to favor a particular style of dance, or do you keep yourself open to all the styles that, you know, you know and love?
1: Yeah, I definitely think, um, well, you know, as a dancer, you always get asked, oh, what's your favorite style? Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I think um, definitely for me, tap has always been my number one passion. Um, something that I really love about tap is that, you um, you're not just dancing, you're also creating music, you're able to speak through um, the rhythms and the sounds that you're creating. um, And you're really playing an instrument at the same time that you're dancing through your body. Um, And I think that's something that I've always really been fascinated by with tap and have always felt I can express myself. So, um, so specifically with tap. Mm -hmm. And so tap definitely has always been kind of my, my sweet spot we could say
0: yeah um another like curious seeing like as a professional dancer so I know you teach as well and then like I said when I saw your performance reels you, you were doing things with different dance troops and stuff so is it kind of something that you always dip your toes in a new dance troops? do you stay with a group for long do you kind of come and go like what is that in the dance world how is how does that kind of work
1: yeah, um, so I think there's there's kind of I guess you could say two two routes that you can really take in terms of that is um, you could be a dancer that um, is hired by a professional company. Um, so, for instance, in Chicago, you have Visceral um, uh, Giordano Dance, Hubbard Street. There's a lot of professional dance companies. Um, like I said earlier, Mad Rhythms um, in the Tap World. And, um, so usually if you work for one company, um, that's pretty much like your core foundation. Um, and maybe you, you know, teach at studios from there, but you really perform and train with that company. Um, and then the other route, I guess, which is more of kind of the route that I've taken in my career is as a freelancer, where you might kind of guest artist with this company, freelance with that company, you teach, you know, maybe you sub and you teach at different studios, you teach different workshops around, um, and you are able to just kind of freelance yourself out to whatever opportunity makes itself available to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Um, with your show, we'll talk a little bit more at the end. I wanted to get into your show, but um, talking about, you know, your show at Fringe, is this, have you done like a lot more? solo work of you building your own show before, or is this something you're dipping your toes into now?
1: Yeah, so the first um, the first show I ever produced was um, in college, my senior year, my thesis, I produced and directed, choreographed my own show. And that was an ensemble group um, mm-hmm. that I also danced with as well, but it was a, a group of women performing. Um, and then when I went on into my MFA work, um, it was purely solo work, um, and it was just myself working, um, utilizing my, myself. Um, and so since then, um, I have worked as an ensemble um, as a dancer for others, but I've not really created my own work on myself um, since my, my graduate studies. So this is kind of this fringe show is the first time that I've really um, dove back into myself as an artist and building upon my own, my own creativity and my own self and, and aspect and, and working with my materials versus a, a group.
0: Yeah. Do you find it a lot trickier to do a solo show or, or produce a show where you're working with a lot of different dancers?
1: Yeah, I think they both have their, their complications. Um, obviously working with people is always has, you know, difficulties. Um, you know even if you're working with your best friend right there's going to be things that you might disagree on or have different visions about i think what is complicated about working as a solo artist mm-hmm. um is feeling the um the limitations of maybe not having as many options available it's just you mm-hmm. um so if you maybe have a grand idea about oh and um then this prop appears on the stage or then this lighting happens and this but then you're like oh wait but how is that prop going to get on stage because it's just me so then i have to go do it right but then in um in kind of a you know a silver lining way then it creates new opportunities that you might not have thought of because it is just you and you have to get a little more creative and, and think about how you're going to make the the message that you want to send um come across when you only have the one person um so I think that's kind of like the trick with it, but also a really fun part of it too is it um, through limiting what is available to you, it creates opportunities for more creativity.
0: Yeah, um, to kind of go more about cho- choreographing and 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 producing and stuff like that. Um, as like is with any sort of artist, whether it be music, dance, visual, I'm always curious about the creative process and as somebody who is not familiar with dance or has not done any dance, like it just is wild to me that you like come up with this out of your mind. And it's just crazy um, and beautiful to see the end result. But I, I was curious in how, you know, you get to the end result. So, you know, if you're doing like, let's say like tap or contemporary, do you kind of pull from the moves and st- and, and that you know of the style? Do you kind of come up with things on your own? How does um, the music play into it? How do the age and experience of the dancers play into all these you know, factors to come up with the choreography?
1: Yeah, um, so for me, um, I guess like if I'm choreographing, maybe for a studio or for a company or maybe um, for a musical theater production, um, Usually it starts with music, being inspired by the music um, and finding a song that maybe fits the group, fits the idea. You know, if you have a group of, of dancers that all have a really fun personality, right? You might, wanna, you might find a song that fits that versus, you know, wanting to do something that's a sad or um, a somber mood. Um, So definitely music, I think, when choreographing on a group or for um, a group production definitely is a number one factor. Um, And I think for me, like, as a solo artist, I think music really helps me shape the story. Um, I think this show specifically actually came really from me making a playlist of, like, songs that really spoke to the questions that I had or the themes um, present in the work. And then from there, almost creating a narrative from these songs um, that kind of took us on a journey of, I guess, my journey in terms of what I'm researching and what I'm thinking about and deliberating um, through this artwork. And then it's really just been me in the studio, um, putting the music on, improving, um, listening to the music over and over again, as in driving and just kind of thinking about, oh, well, maybe this is a song that I tap dance to because it has that real um, rhythmic feeling to it. And and I think I want to express that emotion that this song is portraying through that more rhythmic and grounded feeling um, versus, oh, this song is going to be more of like a gestural movement. And maybe there's a projection happening and it's it's more about the abstract image than it is of the like um instinctual feeling that maybe the tap would bring to it um so I think it's really about feeling it out and just like kind of living within the sound score and the soundscape of it Mm -hmm. um yeah usually at the end of the year when I get my Spotify wrapped all the all the songs on the playlist are songs that I choreographed to
0: yeah because I just (laughs)
1: play them over and over and over in the process and so it's not music that I would actually like maybe listen to driving on a road trip but it's just songs I choreographed too.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I know how like Spotify sometimes tell you, you listen to this song so many, so many times. And it's like, oh yes. Yeah, I did <laughs> listen to that song a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's it's a combination of wanting to tell a story and and knowing what you want to portray, but then also kind of just feeling the music and and where it takes you. Yeah. Um I know you do have done choreographing for competitive Uh, dance. Is that correct? Yeah. So how does that different from like a solo show or just a regular performance where it is a competition?
1: Sure. Um,
0: So I teach,
1: so I teach at a studio and I work with their competitive team and I do some choreography for other studios as well. Um, And the thing about when dance is done competitively, it's very much, there's a lot of emphasis on the technique and the synchronicity and making sure that the group is a cohesive whole. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're making up choreography with those things in mind, um, you might, um, I guess you might choreograph more um, posturally and thinking about photographs instead of um, thinking in more like emotional, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word to describe it, I guess it's more, you wanna make sure that the dancers are able to execute the choreography um, so that they can be productive and do well at their competitions, right? Um, and it's more about the, the product that you get at the end of the day. I think when when you're working with like a professional company or you're working on your kind of own project and you're, and you're in this artistic pursuit, in this artistic space, it's more about the journey and it's more about the process than the end product. The end product is, is a byproduct of the experience and of the process versus when you're choreographing for competitive dance. um, There's not the process. Isn't the most important part. The process just gets you to that end product. So it's a different emphasis. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, with, this work that I'm doing for The Fringe, my current end product that I'll be presenting next weekend is a lot different than what about two months ago I thought it was going to be because as I've been in the studio working through things and different ideas and questions have come up, I've been able to mold and evolve the work. Um, And especially as a solo artist, you can really do that because it's just you and you don't have to make sure that other people know what the steps are. Or they know what the choreography. I can just change it in my head and then go in the studio and do it that way. Um, so there's a little bit more freedom, I think, in the process when you're doing a more artistic um, project and when you're choreographing for a competitive dance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, to go co- to kind of like go into talking about your show and stuff like that, um, Love Me or Leave Me. Um, so you talked about how it kind of came about through playlists of songs and and wanting to tell a story. So can you tell us what the main theme around the, the performance that you're gonna do? Yeah, so um,
1: Love Me or Leave Me, uh, the title comes from the song Love Me or Leave Me um, performed by Nina Simone. Um, and I've been listening to that song, um, a lot because I just love Nina Simone and she's gorgeous and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the song is great. Um, but also because it's kind of this like power anthem, um, and that she's singing, you know, love me or leave me. Uh, you know, if, if you, if you don't love me, then just leave me and let me be. You know, like, I know who I am. I know that I love you. But if you don't want to be with me, then go your own way. I'm going to do my own thing. It's this very, um, it's this very, like, confident, like, I know who I am anthem. Mm -hmm. And something that the past few years, you know, I think COVID, obviously, for everybody, was a big trigger point, right? And so for me, coming out of COVID, um, kind of my identity um, within my career. And, you know, earlier I said, you know, when you're an artist, There's not so much a black and white, you know, you have your career and then you have your personal life. They really are intertwined. And I think for me, when I came out of COVID, some of that was shaken up a little bit because of in the art world, it was a lot harder to keep doing the things we were doing because so much of what we do is in person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really became started to, I started to have these questions about, okay, well, who am I if I'm not performing? Who am I if I'm not in a rehearsal all the time and, where is my identity stem from? And how are these things that I, um, I do in my day-to-day life that are also my career, but they are also the thing that I love. How does that make me who I am and, and where am I when that space doesn't exist? And so, um, the show kind of takes the shape of it, it begins with, um, the song, um, all of me, which is sung by Ella Fitzgerald. So it starts with like a jazz queen, like power woman singing. And then it ends the same. Um, but all of me is this very, like pleading song saying, like, please take all of me. Like, I love you so much. And it's, you're giving yourself away to those, to that external force or person versus the end love me or leave me is saying, regardless of whether you love me, I love myself and I know who I am. So take it or leave it. So that's kind of the, I guess the source question is, you know, how do we, how do we find our our own identity or how do we know who we are without those external factors? Um, and so it begins with that kind of question of like, I need you in order to know who I am. I need your permission. I need your um, support. I need your acceptance to then throughout the show, you know, coming into to these questions and dealing with them. And then at the end finding that, no, I can just be myself and be confident. And I don't need you to have that and to have that self-confidence.
0: Mm-hmm. I I love that. Cause I, I think just any artist can kind of relate to that. Like you said, it's so much of profession and personal life just intertwined together Um, or even just regular people just, I mean, we work, All the time like we have this kind of especially here in america just this constant drive to go it's like who are we outside of profession and and our you know our community like who are we as ourselves so that's also you're kind of it starts in one way and kind of ends in the other you know another direction in the show um so you talked about like the song choices kind of portraying those that different shifts um musically i mean obviously i want everyone to go to your show and see for themselves so you don't have to you know go into too much detail but just um, as as like a dancer and a, and a singer like how do you portray that through movement
1: yeah um so the i guess in like the technical terms mm-hmm. um kind of the the idea that i'm working with is um, the first song, so the first song and the last song are both tap dance numbers. Um, and the idea is that the first song is very, um, uh, swinging syncopated. It's very kind of like old school, uh, tap dancing. That's very, you know, light and, sh- and kind of cheesy, you know, smiley and showy. Um, and it's kind of the idea of, you know, like I'm doing this for you for the external um, satisfaction that you get from seeing this, you know, clean number and these showy smiles and the pizzazz and all of that, um, and then the end number. Um, so it's the same style of music, right? It's this, you know, jazz number. It's this powerhouse woman singer, um, but the the dancing is more um internalized and it's more um it's less about the putting on the smile and it's less about hitting the clean lines and the pizzazz and it's more about what i'm feeling in the moment and listening to the music and and just um there's a lot more improv in the last number as well the first one is heavily choreographed the last one is more um in the moment dancing and feeling it out um so that's kind of like the technical i guess in terms of dancing a delineation between the beginning and the ending of the show and how kind of trying to find that through that, like, polarization of the style of the dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then throughout, there's some gestural contemporary movement and there's some more tap dancing within. And it's, it's kind of finding this throughout, there's this mixture of all of these things because that's where I find myself as... I'm constantly living through this mixture of different worlds colliding and interests and all of that. Um, and so it's trying to navigate how those things can work together and how they intertwine. Um, but then, you know, you asked earlier, what was kind of my, my favorite style of dance or what is it that I favor? And I think at the end of the day, it's just that being able to throw my tap shoes on and put a good song on and feel out my emotions and feel out what's on the inside through the sounds and the, the rhythms and the steps. Um, that's kind of what that last song embodies for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like it's a its a very personal performance. You know, there's a lot of thought. There's a story behind it, a lot of thought behind it. Um, and, you know, you talk about the end piece being very in the moment, very improvised. Are Is there a balance between this kind of meaningful thing of this performance and still being an entertainer and entertaining for an audience do you disregard that kind of do you take that in consideration because I'm always curious of before you know it's called performing arts for a reason there's always a performance element to it but you know how much do you internalize that when when choreographing something like this yeah I think for me the best performances
1: are when I'm an audience member the best performances that i remember or stick with me are the ones that I can connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that I really try to instill with the students that I teach um, middle school, high school age is that um, there's a difference between putting that all teeth, big Mm -hmm. grin, smile on your face and going through the motions um, and really understanding the emotions behind the movements and the song and and coming up with that story for yourself or that intention um, so that the audience can really connect with you. And I think that's, that's where I kind of live within. And especially for this performance, I think, because it is so personal and so real, I think that that's what an audience really connects with. And so I think there's, there's not so much a concern about about what the audience expects or wants to see because i think deep down as humans all we want to do is connect with each other at the end of the day and i think by not worrying about them and not worrying about what the expectation is right and and putting my myself out there for them and saying you know this is the real me and this is these are the questions that i'm dealing with and going through and I think that connection is then what makes it so um, appealing to an audience and and pulls them in versus just, you know, putting on that smile and going through the motions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's where there's a little bit of like, you have to not care about what the audience thinks Mm -hmm. um, so that you can connect with the audience. Cause I think if you try to predict what the audience wants, that's when you fail them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of times too, um, you know, people say the audience is dumb. They don't know what you're doing on stage, right? Like they don't know what's happening, Mm -hmm. but I, I think the audience they're, they're smart. They're, they're human and human. You can feel emotion, right? We know when something is real and we know when something is, is not real, Mm -hmm. um, is fake. And I think, I think we don't give audience members enough credit in the performing arts sometimes to be able to really feel that.
0: Yeah, and I think just as a consumer of the arts and stuff, I think there was a time way back when where this polished perfection, you know, I think of, you know, I don't know, the rackheads come to mind of this just like uniform sure. performance like, was very appealing and very, you know, everyone really wanted to see that kind of perfection. But as I think we move in to a world where a lot of, you know, we've been through a pandemic, you know, a lot of things are so, you know, we see a lot on social media. We see the real world. It's much easier to connect with something real than this kind of perfect performative, you know, things. And um, right. I think people are more interested in, in connecting to the real um, when it comes to performing arts than, you know, the perfect. So um and I think it, even just what you described of your show, without even seeing it, I think it kind of hits the mark of of what people want to see. Yeah.
1: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes me think of um, the like the evolution of like the family sitcom. Yeah, and how you know it started with the the Leave It to Beaver and all of that. You know, the Perfect Family, and and then as the years went on, you know, the family sitcom started to you know, show the parents in the same bed as each other or, you know, the toilet flush or, you know, it started to show those more complicated human side of life. And, and I think the more that we, we show that in the performance world, the more the audience is receptive to it. And and is like, yeah, actually that is, I want to see myself reflected in, in that. Yeah. I always think back to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that is all the questions I have for you today, Rachel. Um, Rachel is performing at the Elgin public house on January 27th. If you want to go see her show, love me or leave me, it sounds like it's going to be great as part of our, um, little mini fringe series that we're doing at Side Street studios. Um, anything else that you're up to Rachel that you want the people to kind of know or check out or anything? No, this is my, this is my, uh, big
1: agenda right now yeah. is this show. And then <laughs> hopefully continuing it on and, Yeah. Keep working on it and hopefully get to show it at the summer at the French too.
0: Yes. We're excited to see it. Um, So thank you again, Rachel, for coming on and talking to me. Um, This has been Alex Sharp with side street studio arts. And thank you for listening to another episode of connected. Connected is a side street studio arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find
1: out more about Connected and all the great things SightStreet Studio Arts offers, please visit sightstreetstudioarts.org.